So the people, the people to whom the Apostle Peter was writing in 1 Peter, were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. That's the general context behind this letter and the reason he wrote it to them. They were being persecuted for their faith in Christ. They were undergoing quite a bit of harm and distress, and that left them confused and discouraged, you can imagine. <laughs> so these were people to whom Peter was writing because they needed, they needed desperately gospel truths to sustain them. These are people who were weighed down by the stuff of life, and they were being persecuted. And so they needed the gospel to sustain them. You ever been persecuted for your faith in Christ in some form or fashion and experienced something like that? You ever been confused, discouraged, weighed down by everyday stuff of life? The normal, everyday, difficult frustrations that happen that you don't get away from? Duh. Yeah. (laughs) Of course you've been confused by those, discouraged by them. We all experience Have you been to the rock bottom that meant that you finally said, (laughs) I can't fix this. I can't get past this. The frustration doesn't go away. The struggles will not end. I've I've never understood till now the bottom that says I'm not good enough and I need the help of another. That's when (laughs) that's when gospel fluency those who know the gospel, those who experience the gospel around you can speak truth to you in ways that are helpful. That's when the gospel can, can sustain you, when you are ready to hear it, when you need the help of others around you to keep you going, to sustain you. Of course, we have all experienced that. And if you haven't, welcome to church. <laughs> because we're going to talk some about this need, this need for a Savior from sin today. That's what this is. That's what this whole thing is talking about the gospel. So we've all experienced this, and we've all needed others around us to help us. That is why we need to speak the gospel to one another well. Because the everyday stuff of life, if we're being frank, if we understand well what it is, the everyday stuff of life, if you're not living in denial, is hard. It doesn't have to go to this category of of things we call tragic It could be the everyday stuff of life. Listen, of the hundreds of people who will be in this building this morning, if there's one thing I've learned from 25 years of ministry, (laughs) it is that you never know what's going on in someone else's life. You never know what's going on in someone else's life. Um, It it really is true what all those Facebook posts say. that we all need to be nice to everyone else because everyone you meet is fighting some sort of battle you know nothing about. That's true. It's just absolutely true. And there are literally hundreds, literally hundreds and hundreds of stories of struggle and frustration in this church family. People contending with all manner of very hard and very frustrating and quite tragic life circumstances. Cancer, debt, divorce, wayward children, relationship stress, normal parenting, (laughs) physical pain that doesn't go away, recovering from an accident. All manner of things that you conceive of as struggles in life are represented 
by literally the hundreds of people today. And these people need us around them to speak the truths of the gospel to one another. We need it. They need it. Because there is too much shrapnel from sin. There is too much of the shrapnel of sin all around us. There is too much of the shrapnel of sin all around us to go through life alone. Put simply, we desperately need, I desperately need, a Jesus-formed community around me to speak the everyday truths of Jesus into my life as an encouragement to hold on to the hope of the gospel. That's reality. <laughs> so, in First Peter, uh, the first chapter, starting in verse 22, the Apostle Peter is writing to encourage us to stand strong together, and he does so by reminding us of who we are and what we have in Jesus. He reminds us who we are and what we have in Jesus. And he tells us three things here. We're going to show this to you in just a second here. We have to love one another deeply with the gospel. We have to long for growth in the gospel. And he reminds us that the body is designed for this growth in the gospel. There are three sections here for our lesson today. And uh, we're going to put this on screen 30 seconds ago. For you, So you can write this down if you're a note taker, because this is the, the pattern we're going to follow here about how Peter approaches this. In 1 Peter 1, 22 through 25, he reminds us to love one another deeply with the gospel. And then he says in that first few verses of chapter 2, 1 through 3, he says that we need to long for growth in the gospel. And then he reinforces this argument by reminding us in verses 4 through 10 of chapter 2, that the body of Christ is actually designed for growth in the gospel. So jump in with me, starting at uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, where Peter tells us to love one another deeply with the gospel. He says this, Having purified your souls, verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, meaning having your souls cleansed before God, and because you are increasingly living out the truth of that good news and you're being transformed by it, Peter tells us that the result, look at the next phrase, is that we have purified ourselves by our obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. This sincere brotherly love is a statement of the result of increasingly living out the truth of the gospel. In other words, the gospel is meant to form us into a new spiritual family where we can have sincere love he calls it for one another we can actually have sincere love for one another that the world doesn't know that's real here because it is based on god's love for us his grace to us okay so having purified your souls he says having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love then keep reading love one another earnestly from a pure heart Love one another earnestly from a pure heart, Peter says. Having been purified by the love of God for us, which enables us to love like the family that God is forming us to be, go even deeper in that love. He basically says, you can love one another as I've loved you. And that's what love is. And then, and then he just says, 
go deeper. <laughs> go deeper in that love. Love earnestly, love deeply. Peter's basically saying because God loves us and that love has formed us into a family that can truly love because it's based on his grace, then love one another more deeply. Love one another more earnestly from a pure heart, he says. So the word Peter uses here for earnestly is an athletic term that describes when every muscle is straining with all its power. It's like he's saying love one another with total abandon. Like without fear. Paul says it's like we are called because God loves us through grace. We are called to demonstrate that love by loving one another like we're lifting weights. (laughs) Strain at it. Love deeply, he says, because we are bound together by the good news that Jesus is sufficient. This is huge. We can love one another deeply with total abandon, without fear, because we are bound not by the things the world says, not by the things we've been grown up to say are the common things that we, oh, I live in Greene County, you live there too. I grew up in this place and, and we drive the same truck and, uh, and, and, and I like soccer and you do too and we're the only two people in the whole country. Who cares? That's not what it is. He says we are bound because we believe the good news that Jesus is sufficient where we are not. Think about that as a basis for relationships. So commonly, our relationships are based on this, oh, I'm sufficient, aren't you? Oh, yeah, we're sufficient together. Yeah, Self-righteousness is the basis of, that's not what this is. We are bound by the good news <laughs> that we are not sufficient, Jesus is. We are bound together by this truth. So he continues this thought. He continues this thought. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Verse 23, since... You, this is y'all, by the way, a plural you, as in love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since y'all have been born again, love one another deeply because we who once were dead are now alive in the spirit, which means that we are reborn, keep reading, not of perishable seed, not by human means, but of imperishable, meaning God's eternal power. And here's how this rebirth works. It was through the living and abiding Word of God. Love one another deeply because we were born again by God's powerful spoken word. For, verse 24, he's quoting Isaiah 40 here. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flowers fall. In other words, all humans die. But the word of the Lord remains forever. All humans die, but God's word always works and this word that always works that's eternal that comes from god this word that made us alive that formed us into a body that has this commonality being bound by jesus sufficiency and not our own that word that gospel was preached to you that word is the good news that was preached to you by someone else (laughs) not a not a point to be missed preached to you by someone else, meaning someone else spoke the gospel of God's power to regenerate you to you. Meaning the powerful and regenerative word of God that was spoken to you that brought you back to life 
means you have been reborn to love like you've been loved. You've been reborn to love like you've been loved. And you learned all that from someone else. You did not manufacture this. You were taught it. You got it from others. God, the eternal, all-powerful, omnipresent, God of the universe, spoke to make us new because someone else knew the gospel. That is, that's amazing. Because it's amazing that we can be used by God to speak that truth into the lives of those around us. So the proclamation of the gospel is nothing less than God's regenerating word that makes us alive. So what that means is that when we speak the truths of the gospel to one another, it is an act of love from God to one another. That's radical. That is radical stuff. And, and, and Peter does it in kind of a, it's hard to follow his argument. I get it. But he's basically saying up to this point, love one another deeply. Because when you do, it's God speaking his heart to others. So, number one, love one another deeply. Number two, long for growth in the gospel. Long for growth in the gospel. First Peter 2, 1 to 3. He's calling us here to be a gospel glutton. Let me tell you what I mean. Jump in at verse 1. He says, so, meaning therefore, because we're a gospel-formed family who can speak the love of God to one another, he says, put away, meaning take off like clothing. That's the idea behind those words. Uh, put away all malice, ill will toward one another, and all deceit, which is behaving with ulterior motives, uh, hypocrisy, pretending to be someone you aren't, and envy, desiring something that isn't yours, and all slander, meaning damaging someone else's reputation by spreading gossip, lies, rumors, etc. So, <laughs> verse 1. So, because we are a gospel-formed family who knows and can communicate to one another genuine love from God himself, get rid of all malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander. Why? Because these are forces of evil that are the opposite of the gospel. These are forces that destroy Christian community. These five things he lists here damage gospel-formed community because they call into question God's love for us. So if you've ever wanted a reason why we shouldn't be deceitful, shouldn't envy, shouldn't gossip or slander, all those kinds of things, <laughs> it's because when we do, we are functionally communicating that you should question the love of God for you. The gospel means, the gospel means we don't need we don't need to act with malice because God acted toward us with goodwill. The fact that the, the creator of the universe acted toward us with goodwill when we didn't deserve it means we have no reason to act with ill will toward another. The gospel means we don't have to be deceitful 
Because the truth we know that comes from God sets us free from having to fear the consequences of lying. Even if (laughs) telling the truth gets us in trouble. The gospel means we don't have to pretend to be someone we aren't because we don't need to hide that we are sinners. The gospel means we don't need to envy anyone because in Jesus, we have the riches of eternity. We have the riches of heaven. The gospel means there's no need to slander someone else's reputation. Because if we realize we have everything in Jesus, we don't need to tear down someone else. And when we act in community-damaging ways, we call into question God's love for us. Think of it this way. If God himself spoke his word of grace and unconditional love into you to make you alive, then don't speak the opposite of gospel into the lives of those around you. If God himself, who is holy (laughs) and perfect and altogether righteous and knows accurately all of the sin in all of our hearts, and all the ways in which we deserve condemnation before him. If God himself spoke his powerful word into us to make us alive when we were previously dead, then don't speak the opposite of gospel into the lives of others around us. When we speak or behave with malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, or slander, when we do those things, we are doing so because we feel the need to justify ourselves. And so there's something about the gospel we're not believing. There's something about God's sufficiency in Jesus we are not leaning into as true enough for us. So we have to grab it from someone else. That's the opposite of gospel fluency. So don't do that, Peter says. (laughs) Instead, grow up. Instead, mature. Long for growth like babies. That's what he says. Verse 2. He says, like newborn infants. Notice again, infants is plural. He's still speaking to us as a group of believers. Like newborn babies, long for, uh, crave the pure spiritual milk. Meaning just like a newborn baby can't get enough of its mother's milk, long for spiritual food. Crave the unadulterated gospel truth that is the opposite of lying and deceit in the previous verse. Long for spiritual milk that is pure, so that, keep reading, by it, by the gospel, you may grow up into salvation. By the gospel, you may grow up into salvation. If indeed, verse 3, you have tasted that the Lord is good. In other words, you will long to grow. You will long to grow by means of the truth of the gospel, if indeed you have actually experienced God's goodness to you in Jesus. It's a little like this. <laughs> um, I have this picture in my head uh, of uh, a kid coming in, a young elementary age kid coming in from playing outside, and they've been playing really hard uh, for a long period of time. Um, and they're tired. They're, they're parched. Um, they come inside for a drink of, of water. And, and when they do, you know, little kids do this. They're like, ah, 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 
It's like they're openly breathing like they can hardly get enough air in, and they're drinking water and taking huge gulps, and they're making a big scene of it, and they're like all over themselves, like a kid, you know, who can't quite get up to the, uh, the water fountain, you know, something like that. It's like they cannot get enough of it. Now, of course, we civilized adults are a little more self-conscious, uh, so we'll take long and quiet gulps of water while trying not to breathe too hard so we don't look like a total goober, right? Don't lie, y'all have done this just like I have. Man, that marathon was tough, um, but it's all good. I feel great. No big deal. Let me just take a little sip of water here to quench my slight thirst. That's how many of us act when it comes to the truths of expressing our need for the gospel. Are we preaching yet? I'm a civilized adult who knows Jesus. I don't, I don't need the gospel that badly. I don't need the gospel badly enough that I want anybody else to see that I need the gospel. Let's make sure I don't do that. Peter says that's hogwash. He says that's a form of pretending that you don't need Jesus. It's a kind of pretend dependence upon Jesus, in fact, that is hogwash, Peter says. He says, long for it. Crave it. Act like you cannot get enough of the truth of Jesus in you because you are desperately in need without him. That's actually what he says mature believers look like. Gulping down like a little elementary caged kid who's dehydrated because he can't get enough. Because feeding on the gospel like that is how we grow. Feeding on the gospel is how we grow. So let's summarize where we are so far. It's kind of a complicated argument there. Um, but let's start from the beginning and, and sort of summarize where we are. So because we have been and are being formed into a family by the gospel spoken to us by God himself, then love one another deeply with all of your might. And instead of acting contrary to this gospel, keep feeding and growing off these Jesus truths like a dehydrated child coming off the playground who can't get enough of Jesus. Okay? That's where we are so far. <laughs> and in case... We forget the gospel, because we do. And in case we need help in learning the truths of the gospel, because we do, God has given us the body of Christ. He's given us the body of Christ, verses 4 to 10 here, to teach us gospel fluency. You see, he says the body is designed for <laughs> this growth in the gospel. Now, now, Peter switches metaphors here, but he's still talking about gospel growth. And he's talking about it in the in the relationship to the body. And he's saying, you see, the body grows itself because of gospel. That's how the body is designed. Look at verses 4 and following here. He says, as you come to him, meaning as you, again, this is plural, as you continue drawing closer to Jesus, as you come to him, a living stone, not a dead stone, but a life-giving stone that does something, as you continue drawing closer to Jesus, living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. In other words, God had plans man can't see. As you keep drawing near to Jesus, a life-giving stone, verse 5, 
you yourselves, like living stones, like a life-giving stone that does something, you yourselves are being built up. Notice it says are being built up in the present tense. As you come to Jesus, you are being built up, growing into a spiritual house that is formed by the Spirit to be a holy priesthood, to be people who work in this Spirit-formed family, to offer spiritual sacrifices, meaning to steward all of life as an offering that is acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, these two power-packed verses are saying a lot. (laughs) And here's what they're saying. As you keep drawing closer to Christ, as you deepen in your love for the gospel and for the truth that Jesus is your all-sufficient Savior, yes, all of that and more is in that little phrase, come to him at the beginning. As you keep coming to Christ, you are growing for the purpose of offering your whole life to God. And all of that happens growing in your purpose of stewarding your whole life for God. That happens, as he states here, in the context of being built up as a spiritual house. That's how that happens. As you come to Christ, you are growing for the purpose of offering your whole life as a stewardship to God. And this happens, it says, as you are being built up as a spiritual house. Meaning this gospel-formed family is the God-designed context for this growth. Peter is saying this here, and this is huge, especially as it is quite contrary to the great anti-biblical heresy of the day that claims that it's okay to act like you're above needing the body of Christ. Peter is saying Ongoing personal devotion to Christ and growing in godliness results in fuller integration into the church and not less. The body of Christ is the God-designed context where we grow into Christ-likeness. So many self-proclaimed believers today have convinced themselves they do not need the body of Christ, which is unbiblical selfishness. Half the New Testament pleads for us to come to grips with the truth that we are in desperate need of the body of Christ to tell us who Jesus is and who we are. And and here's why, Peter says. Because gospel is spoken here. Gospel is how all this works. Gospel is how the kingdom of God moves forward. It is how we relate to one another. It is how we treat one another. Gospel is the basis of our love for one another. It informs how we serve. It's why we give. It's the story we tell. And you cannot become well-versed in gospel truths by yourself if you are not around others who speak it well. You cannot and you will not become a part of the larger work that God is doing to create a place where His children live by building your own cabin in the woods. That is not the safety you actually seek. 
when you isolate yourself from the body of Christ. You don't grow in Christ-likeness and gospel fluency in isolation. You and I learned the gospel from somebody else who knew the gospel. It's just fundamental. (laughs) It's logic. (laughs) You don't grow in Christ-likeness and gospel fluency in isolation without the body of Christ because then you'll become a dismembered and disfigured and incomplete picture of Jesus. Challenge me. It's just like Jesus says in John 13. They will know we are Christians by our love. It's like Paul says at the end of Ephesians 5. This mystery is profound, and I'm not talking about marriage. I am saying that it refers, refers to Christ and the church lived out in the context of marriage like everything else he's been listing for many chapters before that. This is why it's called the body, because he is the head. And only when all the various parts are working together will the body of Christ be a powerful witness to the love of God for sinners. That's the plan. And Peter supports this argument with Old Testament Scripture. We're going to move through this pretty quickly here. Pick it up in verse 6. He says, For it stands in Scripture, meaning the body is the God-designed context for our growth in the Gospel. It stands in Scripture. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone. Behold, I'm building a cornerstone chosen and precious, meaning Jesus. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. God will not let down those who believe in him. So the honor, the ultimate reward, verse 7, the ultimate reward, the honor is for you who believe, but for those who don't, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of a stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do, meaning those who reject Jesus are without hope. And then jump down to verse 9. He says, But you in the body are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Why? For this reason. Here's the speak the gospel with one another part here. That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We were all of us once, nobody's destined for death in our sin. But now, now, we are God's people who have received his mercy. And that's what binds us together. So we are to do with one another what what Peter is doing here in this passage. We are to learn to proclaim to one another the excellencies of God who called us out of darkness and into light. This is why for us in the seven habits, we call one another to engage in worship Because as we sing, as we pray, as we gather to declare these truths, we are speaking to one another the truths of who God is and who we are. When we serve on the team together, we are reminding ourselves that not one of us is enough. It requires all sorts of gifts. That's a parallel to the gospel that says Jesus is adequate and we are not. 
when we connect in a small group. Each week, we spend 90 minutes a week in Christian fellowship and community, relating to one another, praying together, studying the Word of God together, which is a practice of gospel fluency. It's speaking the truths of Jesus to one another in a way that feeds us and that helps us grow. So that's why we call these habits. We're calling one another to these habits of being here on Sundays, serving on the team, connecting in a small group. That is how we learn together to move beyond gospel snippets, gospel-ish, quasi-gospel, things we've heard in the radio, stuff that's on bumper stickers and t-shirts. That's how we move beyond the basics that aren't real gospel to gospel being spoken fluently to one another in a way that changes us and forms us and shapes us into who God called us to be. And this is the place where we learn that process. Let's pray, friends. Lord, we are... We are so grateful. That you've given us the truths of Jesus through people around us who love you, who have had a relationship with you longer than us and who can teach us what it looks like to grow who can help us understand how the truths of the good news of your son Jesus continue to form us and call us to grow, to become who you called us to be. Thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. We ask that you would uh, give us a vision for stewarding these truths well. so that our practice would not be speaking in ways that manipulate self-righteousness, speaking in ways that look like the opposite of the gospel, so that we would steward this truth well, and we would learn to speak one another, speak to one another in ways that build up, that encourage, that make us look like your son Jesus, living stones, through which you extend your kingdom to the world, through which you work to bring sinners to yourself. Father, give us a vision for taking care of this awesome truth that your son Jesus came to be adequate, came to be sufficient, that he was good, Lord, when our hearts were evil in rebellion against you. Lord, that's great news. Help us to steward that amazing truth well with one another so that we would be formed into the likeness of your son, Jesus, as a witness to the truth that you're a God who is real and who loves us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So friends, as we just talked about